Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Don't Shop on Tuesdays podcast, part of the United Protest Movement. We're your hosts, Jacob and Barry, joined by Maxwell Hope. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the founding and history of DSOT and what exactly it means to Don't Shop on Tuesdays. Thank you, Jacob, for that wonderful little intro to this podcast. I am so excited to be here on the inaugural episode. So my name is Maxwell, and tell me, what is DSOT all about? So DSOT, as we've been shortening for the acronym, is very simple. It's Don't Shop on Tuesdays. After hearing that, you can get a pretty good sense of what it is that we're hoping that you can do. But our theory of change here and why we came up with this is that we believe that our current political system is captured by wealthy donors through campaign contributions as well as corporations through dark money. And this money in politics is sort of choking off the ability of our politicians to respond to the actual needs of their constituents and the American people. What we think is necessary in order to sort of try to break down some of that process is not just political organizing and power, but to speak the language of those corporations and wealthy donors who only care about money and raw power. We need to build an economic cudgel in order through organizing and collective action in order to be able to start speaking that language of money. And I'd like to credit Martin Luther King Jr., who came up with the term economic cudgel. And what we foresaw, and we started this about four and a half years ago, a a lot of people felt very hopeless. And uh, there weren't many victories in terms of issues and policies and legislation that people needed. But in aggregate, we have tremendous amount of economic power and as consumers. And if we aggregate it once a week and demonstrate that, then we can get more and more people to listen to us. So how does that work in practice? What exactly, like, does this, like, build on itself? What are the practicalities of this? Yeah. So we'll be assessing exactly how to DSOT in the second episode. But in part, I think what you're asking is that we're hoping that we can sort of create a very easy and sustainable movement, right, that we've seen from a lot of The past several years, you know, with things like the Women's March and the March on Science and a huge number of massive single day or, you know, sort of actions that those have been insufficient, despite the incredible popularity of a lot of the issues that are being talked about there. Those have been insufficient to actually break through and have the sustained momentum to actually create change. And so what we think is that partially the capitalists and the donors are saying we think we can wait out these sorts of individual large moments. And what we need to do is figure out a way to take the pain of protest and out of the hands of the people who are doing the protest and try to transfer it onto the people that we're we're protesting. And so we think that by just doing an action that is one time a week, that that's not particularly, you know, onerous or difficult for the average person. And in addition, it adds a level of consciousness to your activity so that you know each week you are sustainably and you know acting together with people you know to build something new and to hopefully create you know a protest that can actually uh, start causing politicians and corporations to listen one of the most exciting aspects for me was meeting people from all over the country from mississippi to north dakota to california maine who are just amazing community activists, people 
trying to make a difference for a variety of issues and some victories, a lot of challenges. And what we're saying is it doesn't matter where you live or who you work for or, or you're too busy or you're not busy or, or whatever's happening, it's accessible to everyone. Jacob used to say, and, you know, unless you go off the grid, you, you buy something. You know, people eat. In marketing, we call it consumables. You, you need paper products. You need cleaning supplies. People need food. So just do it six days a week. And we've found that more and more people everywhere can do it easily. If, you have a if you're boycotting a specific company, it might not be available to everyone. It might be geographically isolated or economically, financially out of people's reach. But this is something that everyone can do. They can do it under the radar, or they can do it like I do it, loudly, and just say, I'm not shopping today. Yeah, absolutely. To build off of what Barry was saying, one of the reasons that we kept this very broad as don't shop in general on Tuesdays rather than specifically targeting a lot of you know individual bad actors is because we found as we were talking to lots of different people in developing this idea that everybody had their own list of who it is that's important to boycott, who it is that's important to protest yes, against. Yes, some people would want to do X company mm -hmm. and other yeah. this yeah. group and so on. A hundred percent. And so we thought this is revealing to us two things. One is that we're going to be excluding people from the movement if we specifically try to target some, some groups as opposed to others. And then two as well, when you start creating things like lists, so for instance, a classic example is like the Nestle boycott. You know, I think that a lot of people would agree that Nestle is not a great company when you actually look into its business practices. But practically boycotting Nestle, given the huge number of products that they actually have, means keeping lists, means trying to remember a huge number of things. And oftentimes what happens when you make that, you know, too difficult for people to do in practice, you're going to get people who just give up. And so what we want to do is really distill this down and say that as long as all you have to remember is, is it Tuesday? And if it is Tuesday, then you know not to shop. And you know that you're doing it right and being part of it. And one of the things I want to emphasize as well that we often go over is, you know, this is about consumer spending. It's not about emergencies. We understand as well that a lot of this is about trying to advocate for on behalf of everybody, but especially on behalf of the people who, see, who have the least amount of representation. And we want to make sure that this movement and this, you know, protest activity isn't negatively affecting them. So if you're somebody who, you know, has a medical emergency on a Tuesday, you should go to the doctor. If you're somebody who is living paycheck to paycheck and you get money on a Tuesday and need to go buy food, you should go do that. And, you know, we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for honest people who are trying to get better every week. If you buy something on a Tuesday, thankfully, another one will come up next week. So I guess this begs the question, something that like when I talk to people about DSOT, one of the first questions is like, what even counts as shopping? So I guess that's one thing, because then we can define what is an emergency. So what actually counts as shopping? Because when I talk to people, some people have said, well, does grocery shopping count as shopping? I said, well, yeah, I mean, I think grocery, if you can do it on a different day, then you should, you know, pre-plan. I just want to go back really quickly, because I've talked to a lot of people and 
And I do get the argument, well, I boycott this or I boycott that. And I tell them, I guarantee you, I boycott them every week. Right, because once a week. (laughs) Every week, I am not choppy unless you're boycotting my vet. But that's another story. We're going to go in in a later episode over all the dialogues that we've had with people. I mean, a lot of people got it right away. I get it. I love it. I'm doing it. And some people had questions. And the biggest question is, you know, what is an emergency? And an emergency is what I would consider the... You know what the the, the dictionary defines? You're very sick. Your car breaks down. Your children or your pet needs medical attention. But getting your hair cut is not an emergency. The way I view it is if it's routine, I have never had an appointment on a Tuesday. I get my hair cut. I go to the doctor, dentist, any other day. So going to the doctor is still considered shopping. I would say that even, you know, shopping is the, you know, sort of, term that we came up with, but even broader, I'd say it's more like discretionary spending. If you have, if you, you should be asking yourself, do I really need to buy this on a Tuesday? Can it wait until Wednesday, right? Part of, you know, the hope is that, you know, a little bit is injecting a thoughtfulness into sometimes this endless consumption and mindless consumption that we have and starting to say, can we do some level of control, can we exert some level of thoughtfulness into our consumption patterns? And so if it's discretionary in nature, we ask that you not spend on that day. One area that I would say is not necessarily discretionary that people have asked about is, for instance, commuting. If you need to commute to work, right, in order to, and you need to go through tolls, not consider that because we're not asking you to lose your job or, you know, run late to work just because you're commuting. So where you don't really have a choice. So they're business expenditures. If you're asked to spend some money for your job, right, that's not your discretionary spending, right? And so we're trying to say, you know, do what you can. But as I said before, this isn't necessarily about perfection. This is about trying to learn about, you know, figuring out what it is that you can put off on that day in order to gain and grow solidarity with a movement of people across the country. Jacob's example of tolls comes from a real-life situation that we had. We gave a presentation to a large group of people, and this young woman came up to us, and she was so excited. And she said, I love it. I get it. I can't wait till the malls are empty on Tuesday. And she goes, I will not pay tolls on Tuesday. And we ran after her and said, please, pay tolls on Tuesday. (laughs) Pay parking. They're not going to let you out of the lot. Um, If it's business-related, if it affects your job, then absolutely. But if if it's just I feel like it, I, you know, I had to train a lot of my friends and my friends, a couple, I think last summer, one of my friends finally got it. She called me up Monday, said, I want to have dinner tomorrow. And I said, you know, I can't, I won't. And she said, no, I'm packing a picnic and we can go to the park. And she, you know, finally realized. And what I also envision, first of all, don't shop on Tuesday is a much better hashtag than don't expend discretionary money each week. So so we you know we shortened it, but I would like to see Tuesday at some point when we get more and more people respected as a day of abstinence from consumerism. And I say that as a shopper. 
six days a week. But, I, you know, that that it's, no, I won't go to the doctor for my annual checkup. Oh, no, I won't get my teeth cleaned that day or I won't get my hair cut because that is not an emergency. I eat carrots every day. It's my one of my favorite things. And I don't like those little bags, bunches of carrots. And Monday, one Monday, I went to two supermarkets in my neighborhood, and they were both out of carrots. So I was talking to a friend of mine, and she said, that means you can buy it tomorrow on Tuesday? I said, no, that is not an emergency. I think I can go a day or two without carrots. And I feel, at the end of the day, so connected to the people that I've talked to the people that are fighting in every corner of this country. And I feel that I've made a small step toward change. I wanted to just bring up briefly something that we haven't mentioned before. And that's that, you know, while we don't target specific companies, one of the things that we do do is we'll talk more about in a later episode around what it is that we're actually fighting for. That in general, we're trying to take a look at and unite through this boy, through this protest movement around issues that are supported by a supermajority of people in the United States. And one of the reasons that we chose that is because a supermajority within the halls of Congress is something at which point you don't actually need the, the, the minority position. We've agreed in this country that if 60 percent or more of a side want something, then, you know, then that should be acted on by the government. And the minority party doesn't even really have a say. So we felt that twofold by, you know, keeping that high threshold that we both make sure that we actually have majority support and that, you know, it's within that realm where we've all agreed politically that that's a threshold where we should really move forward on things. One of my friends has shown that very quickly to, to jump on with what Jacob has said is that she's encouraged every week, Jacob sends out an email, and we'll get into that later, is how actually unified this country is. There's a lot of media about divisions. And we, we you know, there, are, there have been so many movements and so many protests in, in this country, some effective, some not. And we feel this one's a little unique in the sense that it's open and accessible to everyone. We want everyone I used to make the joke, if you're a multimillionaire, just don't buy your island on Tuesday. I mean, we want everyone because there are issues that affect all of us and there are issues of, uh, that affect some of us. And so I know like from sort of as a newcomer to this movement, I've seen or at least like the ways that I can kind of equate it to, to things that I'm familiar with is like meatless Mondays or some of those things like that is what I've heard of, like some of those things that are like one day a week sort of movements. So is that when you say like United Protest Movement, that's sort of what I can think of as like a similar type movement in that it's targeting like a one day a week type thing. And like it has a but I mean, that's like a one issue. But is that sort of in the vein of what Don't Shop on Tuesday kind of is? Can, I, I'm going to jump in right now. I, yes, we, the goal was unification, to unite, to have this, these coalitions of people that are often marginalized or ignored or pitted against each other. It, you know, whatever, we learn from past movements and, and past activities, but we wanted something elegant and safe and simple and come in with your passion, your mission. You know, if you're, if you're fighting for this, that is what excites you. And we have one of the simplest asks in, in, around. What, what, what can we do? Don't shop on Tuesday. 
Kansas, what should you do? Don't jump on Tuesday. Alaska, what should you do? Foreign countries, get a translator. Don't jump on Tuesdays. It's a very simple ask. One of the quote-unquote drawbacks might be that people are not as visceral about a, un a unification of a coalition. However, what I suggest to people is this is what you're fighting for, whether it's animal rights or Medicare for all or whatever it is, and you're passionate about it, think of that when you're not shopping on Tuesday. Yeah. And I, I like your bringing up of Meatless Mondays. I think that, you know, similar to that, our thought process is, so how this originally started was back in 2018, I was extremely upset over the fact that we had opened up essentially concentration camps on our southern border. I wanted, originally as, as someone of Jewish heritage, I felt that this was intolerable to be allowing this to happen in the United States. And I was gung-ho and I was like, every Jewish person should, you know, go on strike until, until we close down the camps. And I was quickly, and I was quickly told that, that a lot of people basically weren't ready for such an action. And that's distressing, obviously, that you can see sort of the seeds of, you know, sort of neo-fascism growing and, you know, and and have be told by people who, you know, who were directly affected by this experience previously in their history that, you know, they're not ready to sort of step up and make sacrifices. But the key is that so we had to reapproach and say, like, OK, well, we can't get everyone to to strike, but. Maybe, but what we can do about what the key about strikes is, is that they are economic, right, rather than just political. And so we thought that if we take something and instead we try doing, you know, an economic angle of, you know, around spending, that we could, that we could get more traction there. But again, you can't ask people to just not spend money forever until things happen. So you need to figure out a way to make this mm -hmm. sustainable in such a way that you could credibly, you know, corporations and campaign donors could credibly think, we're not going to be able to outlast this movement. And so much like Meatless Mondays and things like that, you know, you're trying to create a behavioral change and a mindset change by saying, if we can get our foot in the door, if we can change behavior on one, you know, on one day of the week, that that will be meaningful in and of itself in terms of the actual amount of, you know, action and change there. But it also has a ripple effect in terms of the fact that when people constantly and repeatedly do an activity, they start to care about those things, they start to act further, and they start to feel, you know, solidarity and, you know, kinship with the people in the action that they're doing. And so through both of those, we're we're hoping to, you know, grow this to show that we are, in fact, a united country, despite what a lot of the propaganda sends to, you know, try to make us think otherwise. Well, luckily, Jacob met me very early in the game, and I'm a marketer and a strategist, and I understood on a very visceral level what he was trying to say. He was trying to evoke the images of what happened in Nazi Germany and other places where people are not they're not honored and they're, and they're not treated well and they're put in these camps. But I knew that Jews are not monolithic and it, that they have different financial situations and it wasn't our fight immediately. Now, hate collapses and expands. But right now, what was targeted were people, immigrants coming up from the south of us. And so when he first approached me, I thought, well, we need, we need a consumer aspect to it. 
going back to what he said about economics. And he and I emailed for a week, and I came out to his house, and in a couple hours, we came up with DSOT. And if I may brag, it is pandemic-proof. I mean, we never even had that on our radar. And while we were trying to create this, we, we, would, we thought of a boycott, a traditional boycott. But again, all the limitations we talked about. And some of the, the industries here, I didn't participate in. So it's not a boycott if you continue, continue not to work, not to support them. That's not a boycott. That's continuing not to shop there. <laughs> So we wanted, we just talked about it, and we came up with the idea of a day of of not of not, of, of of pausing consumerism, of mm. pausing discretionary expenditures, and what the pandemic showed us is that if large swaths of the population from their jobs and loss of jobs and economic collapse, establishment didn't care. So that was not an effective tool, and but. Aggregating consumerism and the billions of dollars that we have in aggregate will make a difference. So it sounds like it started out because of sort of this reflection on society and knowing that, okay, the, the things that were being supported by the supermajority were not really getting addressed. And the current movements that are out there were lacking in some way, were not really you know, driving or not, not really like utilizing the full force of like what a real united protest movement can do, which is sort of like this goal and really thinking in a bigger picture. And it looks like, you know, your movement over time has kind of honed in on creating this, this mindfulness around consumerism and, and also encouraging activism for everybody, like really uniting around, it's not just my issue, it's uniting around a whole bunch of issues together. Is that? First of all, let me jump in. First of all, thank you everyone for everything that you do. Thank you for voting. Thank you for protesting. Thank you for rallying. Thank you for all the people that are our ally supporters and friends that get, you know, that don't shop on Tuesday, that are making a difference. Thank you. I wish it was enough, but it's not. So what we envisioned First of all, if I may tell tales on us, we didn't even know what to call it. We called it a boycott for a couple of years. And that has too much baggage in both directions, pain and flimsy. So, you know, we, we had this very unique movement that is safe and, and can be covert and accessible to everyone. And, and as Jacob and you both talked about, sustainable. People can go forever without shopping on one day a week. It's not like a work strike where money's not coming in. It's not like a boycott of, of something like the buses where you need to go to and from work. It is something that we that was engineered to be safe and sustainable. And so we are doing this in conjunction with what everyone else is doing. Thank you. Don't stop. Don't stop and make your voices heard. But I envision this like a horror movie. You know, when, when you don't know who's doing, you know, all of a sudden the people, that, the, the algorithms and they're tracking spending and they're, they're tracking how their, their, how their stores are doing, their online stores are doing. And all of a sudden there starts to be a dip every Tuesday and they won't know at first what's going on. Yeah. Did you want to? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you repeat the? 
Yeah, well, I was just saying, like, I was trying to comment and kind of summarize mm-hmm. the history and evolution of things. Like, it started out by sort of recognizing the harms that are being done by society, knowing that, like, what's out there is not really, quote unquote, enough, and knowing, like, how trying to come up with, like, this creative mechanism okay. of how we can really unite people in this kind of united protest movement. And that it, for me, it seems like it creates a mindfulness around consumerism. It also unites people around activism, where it's not just my issue, but it's like rounding a bunch of issues. Yeah, I think one of the, I think that's well said, one of the perennial issues around activist groups and around, you know, these sorts of organizations is that everything can get very siloed. Everybody can end up working on their own individual issue. And if you ask them, are these other issues important, people will often agree that they also think those. But a lot of people only have the bandwidth to really pour themselves in to one issue or another. And as a result, we end up with an enormous amount of, you know, activism energy that gets dispersed and doesn't actually join up and make each other stronger. And so part of what we're hoping through DSOT is that we can sort of act as, you know, a a way to bind different groups together, a way to say that every Tuesday, no matter what it is that you're doing the rest of the week, Everyone is coming together to do this collective action and say that while every day, whilst, you know, every day I might be an environmental activist or working for Medicare for All or working around LGBT plus rights or any, you know, or anything like that, on Tuesday I'm working on all of these things together. And so trying to build that collective mindfulness. And I think as well, you know, in the type of country that and society that we currently have, mix is for at least the past several decades, has often been relegated to a separate arena from politics. And that's a lie. They are both, you know, inextricably bound. When we only organize politically at the ballot box and things like that, we are fundamentally leaving a lot of the tools and power that we have on the table, which puts us at a disadvantage in creating the type of change that so many of us want. And I'd like to add one more thing about mindfulness, and we're going we're gonna to go and expand on this later. But when you are shopping Wednesday through Monday, support the local community. Come into small businesses, unrepresented businesses. We are not a credit card company that says one day a week you should, you should <laughs> support these folks. We say six days a week you should support these one day a year, excuse me. They say one day a year, not one day a week. But we're saying six days a week, look in your community. Now, I am very fortunate. I live in, in a metropolitan area with very close to me. There's a, there's a burgeoning immigrant community. And I have so many choices in terms of food and all these experiences. And I, and I can go small business and I can support small business. But there are farmer mar- farmers markets. There's, there's artists conclaves. There's all sorts of ways that if you're consciously spending money to do it and support your community at the same time. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that we can take a look at a lot of the boycotts that happen around big businesses. Like I think about, you know, the sort of boycotts around Amazon that happen once or twice a year. And, you know, just to come back to the weekly aspect of this, I think is a very important thing in that Oftentimes on, you know, some of these, you know, boycotts around a specific company, you know, the boycott can go by before, you know, people even realize that it was happening. And so to have something that is regular, that you can schedule, that you can have as part of your routine, 
so that it's not a thing that's happening once in a blue moon, but becomes a part you know, of one's life and one's practices really helps embed this and create longevity and sustainability in the practice. And we hope, you know, that, uh, you know, more and more people are going to continue to, you know, both be activists, be inspired to be part of the change politically and locally in their communities. Well, thank you so much, Jacob and Barry. That was excellent explanation of the, the history and evolution of this wonderful movement. And I'm really looking forward to find out exactly how to do DSOT on the next episode of this podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at don'tshoponTuesday at gmail.com. You can find out more about the movement at don'tshoponTuesday.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash don'tshoponTuesday. And you can follow our Instagram at don'tshoponTuesday. Do you have your little sign off? Oh, I was going to do Or was the, that the sign-off? I was originally just the, trying to do that as the sign-off. Oh, okay. Now... Was that the sign-off? Okay, good. So we're good? Okay. okay. I'm a bad person.